When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Hey, 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 everybody. We are back with another episode of Can You Dig It? A podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Brood. Lakers are back in a big way. Uh, Not actually. It was a nice little win over the Spurs, who I believe are now a few games under 500, which is not saying much uh, considering where the Lakers are in their season. They're eight and six on the season now after the one over the Spurs. But for those that have a deep rooted resentment against the Spurs because of the rivalry <laughs> in the uh, in the early 2000s and also just the uh, role, I guess, Greg Popovich has had in the Lakers moves they have and have not made just the weirdest. He's petty. Like, yeah, it's. It, it it was a thing for sure. Uh, I don't Where know. Where do much... the Spurs rank in terms of like Lakers rivals? I think they're two after the Celtics. Yeah, I I, I buy into that. There's no team I sort like when I think of pre Lakers Celtics part three or four, whatever you want to call it. Those. Uh, big three Celtics teams. Those are the teams I think I hated the most were those first teams. So um, that checks out. And so if, if you have all those feelings towards the Spurs, Sunday was a good, was a good day for you. I was going to say night, but it was an early game. I was watching was. Uh, some world cup qualifiers at like 1145. And I was like, I got this part blocked out of my day. I'll enjoy my afternoon and then end it with watching the game and podcasting. And then I get a Google alert from my <laughs> phone saying, Hey, in half an hour, the Lakers play I'm like, what the hell? Um, so Sunday morning, noon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, good day to be a Lakers fan. Friday night. Less was, so <laughs> was, was a, terrible time to be a Lakers fan I uh just terrific luck that I have I covered the game on Friday and then did not watch the game today so I had a Thanksgiving an early Thanksgiving with part of my family on Sunday and shockingly none of them care about Lakers basketball because they're uh, normal Indiana people who are not Lakers fans so was outvoted on the TV, there was football on the TV all day, so I didn't watch any of the Lakers game. I saw a couple notes. I obviously, or I knew THT was returning. Um, I'd seen that in the injury report on Saturday. Um, outside of that, give me the TLDR of uh, of what happened in that game. Anthony Davis played out of his mind, and I tweeted during the game. It's so silly. I, I don't know how many points AD would like realistically have to score for it to click for him. Like I can do this any night I wanted <laughs> to if I and it's not even so much him playing center. I don't think 
I, I really just think it's him staying near the rim and attacking the basket at will. Granted, the player he was going up against uh, tonight was Eubanks, not Lakers legend. What's his name? Uh, Devin. Devin uh, Eubanks. Yeah. That sounds right. Devin Ebanks was his E-Banks. name. Ebanks. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> uh, not to be confused with him is, is Eubanks. And good Lord, he just absolutely cooked him to the point where Eubanks it was it was against THD and THD did irritate him quite a bit. Like he did the whole talk to the hand thing you did as a child and put his hand directly in his face. That was a nice little welcome back for THD. Um, but the other we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the Lakers. The Lakers played pretty small, started uh, Anthony Carmelo Anthony and, and Anthony Davis at the four and five. Nice little lineup change uh, for Lakers fans that have been clamoring for those 80 at center minutes. But their bench unit was even smaller in the front court. And Thaddeus Young had himself a little feast. Uh, that was that was really funny to watch, but nowhere near the level uh, that Anthony Davis was at. He finished with something like, what is 30, 35 points? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. 34 points, 15 rebounds, six assists, was 14 of 24 from the field. Really, just really good. And most of those points came in the first half. Just silly, silly game from him. Really kind of going back to that Anthony Davis sat in the 2019-20 season, people were having those conversations about how wide is the gap really between Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo? I think those conversations were probably a little premature and God, what, what Giannis did in the finals last year was just silly. And Giannis as a player is just silly. Uh, but AD when he's playing like this and attacking the rim and not settling for jumpers, um, not to say again, he can take those jumpers. He made two of three, uh, from behind the arc and had some nice little turnaround jumpers that looked tasty again against Devin Eubanks, who's to say it'll work every night. Uh, but I had I had a lot of fun watching him. And when he's playing like that, he is, I think, in the conversation for like a top five, ten player. Uh, and who's to say that? This will be the norm going forward with Anthony Davis playing at center or that he'll even have these types of games against teams who don't play uh, Devin Eubanks at center. But for the night or the day, it, it was it was lots of fun. It's definitely a mentality thing. I don't necessarily mean it in like a bad way. I kind of view it similar to LeBron, like LeBron very clearly plays a certain way in the regular season versus the postseason just because of the wear and tear. And I kind of have started applying that to Anthony Davis. He he can get to the rim and there's nights just like with LeBron, there's nights where he'll do this. Well, I guess days when he'll do this and remind you that he can still do it. And but I mean, it, it is a bit of a beating you take. And the Lakers have been very clear 
their focus is on the playoffs, the postseason, a title. So AD isn't going to take that beating for 82 games, however many games he's going to play. He physically can't take that beating for 82 games. So um, I haven't really been too bothered overall by AD's play style this year. Um, I know a lot of people have been upset at the amount of jumpers he's taken. Yeah. And just in general, I know a lot of people are get upset just because they feel he's settling. Um, maybe I, maybe it's a matter of me putting too much stock into that one playoff uh, run, but um, I still I I think when push comes to shove, the Lakers, why well, LeBron and AD play a different style of basketball and a more effective style. Even still, like AD's uh, percentage of mid-range shots is 44%. Last year it was 53%. I think everybody can agree last year was an anomaly. Um, But it was 41% when they won the title. Um, He's getting to the rim more than he was that season. So, And he's shooting less threes. So overall, he's playing kind of how you would want him to play. Uh, I think this is how it's going to be for the regular season. And then we'll see come postseason. But uh, the it's encouraging to see him still have these nights. Maybe not encouraging. It's fun to see him still have these nights where uh, where he's just like, yeah, I can do whatever I want and you guys can't stop me. Right. The, the other bright spot from the game was the other kid from Chicago, Taylor Horton Tucker. First game back since, I believe, September. It's been a minute. Uh, uh, it was I October 6th, I believe, was when he last played. I wrote it, but I can't remember when it was. 17 points, plus 14 in the box score, which is a team high. Uh, I like Taylor Horton Tucker. Hot take? Yes. I... But was I in the camp of if you have to choose between Taylor Horton Tucker and Alex Russo, you bring back Taylor Horton Tucker? Tough to say. They um, didn't have to choose. I'm not no, even going right. inter- to entertain <laughs> that either. Or Absolutely. You are correct. And for those listening that are just figuring that out, uh, welcome to my podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not just the guy you yell at on Twitter. I also uh, I also write <laughs> and have a podcast with my good friend Jacob. Uh but it was a great game for him. I say that because even as somebody who doesn't think Taylor Horton Tucker is like the next James Harden or I, I've seen some wild comparisons wow, for THD. Steph Curry? Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, the things I've seen in my mentions are nuts. Uh, but the point is, even if I am lower on THT than some guy, some people on Lakers Twitter. I understand the value he has to this team specifically when it comes to those three guard lineups. Uh, Lakers went Russell Westbrook, Avery Bradley, then Taylor Horton Tucker at the three. I think Taylor at this stage of his career is this weird, like undersized point forward slash slasher. <laughs> Like it is, it is a weird 
archetype to have as a player. But if you're a team that is as small as the Lakers, and if you're going to make, you know, 80 at the five work with the forward depth depth they have, he's the guy you want playing the three. Like he is the perfect player. I think the player comp I personally like for him uh, is like a Tyreek Evans, maybe a little more tenacious on defense, but I think offensively he'll probably get to a point that Tyreek Evans was at. And obviously he has that length. Um, I don't know if that's his ceiling. I don't know if that's just me. Like, underselling underselling how much talent he has. But my point is, even if I'm not super high on him or, or, you know, somebody listening to this isn't super high on him, I think he showed exactly why he's going to have a spot in the rotation, even when everybody's healthy, because there aren't many players like him in the league. And there are certainly not many players like him on the Lakers roster. Like, I was thinking about this today, watching him play defense. The fact that he has the wingspan he does, even if like the fundamentals aren't all the way there yet, his length covers so much ground that uh, upon coming back, he was one of the three best defenders on the team. Oh, yeah. easily. He's probably their I'm trying to think before I say this. Is he their best perimeter defender right now? Uh, I, I, I think Avery Bradley, maybe. I was going to say, it depends on your opinion of Avery Bradley. I think there are things Avery Bradley does better than Taylor Horton Tucker. But generally speaking, if I had to choose one of them to be in a closing lineup, it would probably be THT unless Avery Bradley's shooting the lights out like he did last week. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean when you're talking about guys that have a reputation on that end uh, in a positive way, not a negative way, because there are a few guys in the Lakers that have a a defensive reputation on the negative side, but I think it's uh, him, AD, Trevor Reza, and Dwight Howard and LeBron James. I'll, I'll throw him in there because I think he deserves to be in there. Yeah. Uh, THD has a seven, one wingspan and he's six, four. Nuts. Uh, his, his body doesn't make it. His player comp is NBA 2K, my player. Like <laughs> your first year, you make a player where you want like a athletic point guard so you can just run around people and dunk it. And then you're like, oh, I'll figure out the threes later. <laughs> That's literally uh, THT's game right now. He's built um, like Mike Wazowski. Yes, exactly. He um, He's important to this team for all the reasons you just said. Um, they don't have wing depth, even when healthy. They don't have wing depth, uh, and they're certainly not healthy right now. Um, I always kind of envision – there were a couple things I thought coming into the season that kind of had to be the case based on the Lakers' roster construction. One of them was that AD had to play a lot of minutes at center, which I think we've all realized is the case and has to be the case. And one of them was that THT was going to get big minutes, probably at small forward. Um, Defensively, it's going to be interesting to see how he holds up. I don't imagine he's going to start once everybody's healthy, although we'll see uh, if he keeps playing like he did on uh, 
um, Sunday. He has an interesting case, and maybe more alarmingly, I think we'll talk about later, if Kent Bazemore keeps up playing like he is, then he has a case. But um, he's going to be important. He's going to get minutes. I mean, the Lakers paid him like a guy that's going to be important to this team this offseason. So you don't give him the contract that they did and then not expect big things from him. Um, everybody during the preseason, during the offseason, we're talking about, expecting him to step up and for him to go from he went over a month without playing a game steps directly into the starting lineup which tells you how how many injuries the Lakers have and dropped 17 points on 7 of 14 shooting I mean he's good he's really good the the wildest thing I honestly every time I write about THT I have to look this up because I never believe it He's 20. He's in his third year in the league, and he's 20. Um, this is how Celtics my... fans felt with Jason Tatum. I get it. <laughs> yeah. 19-year-old Taylor <laughs> Tucker. Uh, he, it's wild how young he is still. And he's good. Yeah, he's going to have a really important role in this team. He's going to play a lot of minutes. You can call him three-guard lineups, whatever you want to call him. Like you said, he's like this hybrid positionless player where he's like this like you said an undersized three or an oversized point guard type of I'm not even sure what you would call him he's in the perfect era to play basketball because um, he's able to kind of float around different positions he can be a secondary ball handler which might be as important as anything with this team because this team was just out of ball handlers on what was the game? The Heat game when Rondo didn't play and they didn't have THT. They didn't have LeBron. It was literally just Russ as your point guard. Um, this team was entirely out of point guards or ball handlers less than a week ago. So that's a really important skill he's going to or skill set he's going to bring. Um, it'll be interesting if his return paired with LeBron's inevitable or imminent return. Um lessens the minutes Rondo plays. Uh, he's very hit and miss, but getting ball handlers back, getting uh, wing depth back, which is both what THT and LeBron are, is going to do absolute wonders for this Lakers team because they were just stuck in this weird predicament where it was like we have a bunch of centers, mellow, and a bunch of guards. And there really wasn't anything they could do about it. So they badly needed THT back. They badly need LeBron back. They badly need Ariza back. But I it, I would imagine it's still multiple weeks before that happens. So it's the, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter. We're getting there. We're almost through this horrible injury spell. And um, I, I'm excited to see THT back now. Listen, if, if Melo keeps – shooting like this all you're gonna need is lebron mellow and they <laughs> <laughs> just play three on five with, with those guys um just let mellow spot up on the offensive end and it's three points every time although it was not three points against he, <laughs> he regressed to the mean hard against he's, minnesota he he's was still like one, shooting. Of, one yeah. of 13 from three i think or something that night he is uh when they're at Staples Center, I just assume every shot he throws up is going to go in. It is like oh, the, op- yeah. 
the opposite of the Lakers shooter curse uh, with Melo. Um, even if THT, going back to him, even if THT spends the majority of his minutes at the three, which I think is a foregone conclusion with how many guards the Lakers have on the roster, there are still so many guys, so many guards that need minutes. And Wayne Ellington was somebody who, when I wrote my 10 questions after 10 games of the season on silver screen and roll. If you read it, hello, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> I was going to say hell of a shameless plug. But, <laughs> uh, but he, he was somebody in that story. I wrote off as somebody who will probably be a regular DNP CD guy when the guard rotation is fully healthy. Probably not. Um, he's shooting the ball really well right now. He he has to shoot really well to stay in the lineup because right. he is he's a liability defensively. He, uh, <laughs> the Timberwolves were outright attacking him at times during that third quarter um, or into the fourth quarter. Uh, he's largely been what I thought he would be. Um, the problem is, like we've said, there's just so many injuries that they need him. They need his shooting. Um, they need a guy that teams like there's a, this isn't the first time this point's been made, but there's a difference between like Rondo, even when he's shooting 40% from three in the playoffs and a guy like Wayne Ellington, even if he's shooting 20% from three, there's a respect and a gravity that Wayne Ellington's going to have that Rondo is never going to have. And so just having a guy like that, that defenses have to be aware of, have to put eyes on, um, it helps the offense. And he talked after that game Friday that he's um, he's kind of still learning the team, but the team's also still learning that, hey, if I had knocked down a couple shots early, um, the offense opens up because guys start paying attention to me on that end of the court. And then there's driving lanes there's space to get to the rim and things like that. So he still has value, but he has to go five of seven from three, like he did on Sunday to, to, I think, stay in the, in the rotation on a given night, because it's been as about as rough as I expected it to be on the other end. Yeah. And that it's, it's exactly what you said, him living up to his reputation as a three point shooter is going to be the reason he, stays in the rotation because even going into the season before this hot stretch, I could say pretty confidently that he was going to be one of the three best shooters on the team. Like it was going to be him. And again, this is going into the season. My guesses would have been him mellow. And then like, I can't base more maybe Malik, uh, probably boy that could not, the, the latter could not be further from the truth through a few games. We'll get to that. Um, but the, the point in me saying that is there are guys, Malik Monk being one of them as well, who in the absence of Kendrick Nunn and Wayne Ellington for that time, now Austin Reeves are stepping up and showing the value they can have to this team when they're fully healthy. Like these are guys that can all play spot minutes which in some cases I guess is a good thing that when another guy doesn't have it, there's a, there's a guard on your bench. You can turn to that. that You can say, Hey, go in there and make shots. 
that's not something the Lakers had last year. And I think it was a big reason for their just mega shift into we're a guard heavy team. Now we need guys like that. Uh, our colleague at Silver Spoon and Roll, uh, Alex Regla, pointed out that, you know, having guys like uh, Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn when healthy are going, it's going to be so dangerous for the Lakers because of how they get their shots and how skilled they are at pulling up from just about anywhere on the floor. Um, and that's really exciting when you, when you think about, and, and especially when you compare it to last season, but those minutes there, there's not, there's just not enough for everybody. And uh, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about what, the rotation might look like from a guard perspective, but also from the team as a whole. So that'll be us when we get back. Why are, why are there so many guards on this team? That is the <laughs> one thing I'd like to know. Um, a few of them probably aren't playable. Like I don't imagine. Rondo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't imagine uh, Rondo is going to play much Lord willing. The team gets healthy. Um Avery Bradley, God, I don't know. I don't know where Avery Bradley fits into this. I think when the Lakers signed him, my logic was, you know, he'll be a nice buffer for the guards that aren't healthy and also serve as a bridge on the bench for the guys that are new to the system, helping them get acclimated, all that good stuff. All all the stuff you sign like a Rondo or a Jared Dudley for. And then he has these nights where he's solid on the defensive end and also drains like a million three-pointers. So I have, and, and also a starter. <laughs> like he, he's been Frank's go-to guy in, in the absence of, of these guards. So it's just nuts. I, I have no idea. You, you can you could ask me a month from now if I think he'll be on the roster. I still don't think I'll have an answer for you. Uh, it's yeah. I I don't know what to make of Bradley. Um, I think when they claimed him, it was in the midst of them realizing we have a ton of injuries and we don't have guards. <laughs> um, and it made sense in a vacuum kind of annoyed me that they went this whole preseason talking about we're saving that spot. We're saving that spot. And then it was Avery Bradley who they claimed. Um, Boy, it is really hot or really cold with Avery Bradley. Um, I still ultimately lean toward he's not a rotation guy. Um, He is way too spotty with his offense. He does. I mean, he, he can contribute defensively. Um, typically gives you pretty consistent effort on that end of the floor, but his offense is just typically such a negative that he really has to be hitting shots. He's basically the, uh, opposite Wayne Ellington. Like if you combine those two into one player, we'd have an incredible, an (laughs) incredible starting shooting guard. (laughs) Yeah. We would have a, we would have the exact starting shooting guard we needed. Um, so I ultimately lean toward him not being in the rotation. I would still – I don't know about on the roster. I think Frank really likes him. 
which evidenced by the fact that he threw him into the starting lineup pretty pretty quickly. Um, I think some of that was familiarity with the system with AD and LeBron and Dwight. Um, I there were some things they were able to run right away to get some easy baskets, some sets um, that I was like, okay, well, it makes sense. But when, when you're not able to do those things, when teams start scouting it and whatnot, I, I, I don't know. I'm just not really big on Avery Bradley overall. I think a guy like when he's healthy, Austin Reeves provides just more on both ends. Maybe not both ends. He, he's much, much better offensively and is good enough defensively that he should be getting the minutes that Avery Bradley gets. I said, I don't know if I said it on the podcast. It was one of the last games Austin Reeves played before he got hurt. He should just be getting 30 minutes a night at this point until he starts doing things to where he warrants his minutes getting taken away mm-hmm. um, because he just does so many things. Well, he never looks sped up. Like he always seems composed. He can, I mean, we, it's all things we said. He's a perfect glue guy to put into those lineups because he can do whatever you need. If you need a ball handler, he has a little bit of creation ability. He can shoot, he can defend, he can hustle. He's a perfect glue guy. So a guy like that, I'd be giving most of Bradley's minutes to THT. We just talked about last segment. Um, if Malik is going to shoot well, which he's also been pretty hot and cold, I'd give a bunch of, or a bunch of minutes to him. And then, <laughs> then there's the Kent Bazemore conundrum because uh, on paper he is, I wouldn't say exactly what this team needs, but a really important piece. I, it just hasn't clicked with him at all this year. It doesn't feel like. Which is disappointing because in my time covering him on the Kings, he was somebody that I thought if, if this guy ever is available for the veterans, he'd be perfect for the Lakers. And that feeling only grew watching him last season with the Trailblazers. Uh, and so for him to be performing the way he is, is a big disappointment. And what's even stranger to me is before the season started, had you told me this, I would have said, well, you know, even if the offense isn't there, he's still so valuable defensively, especially on a team without any wing depth that the minutes will be there regardless. Um, I no longer feel that way. I actually think if you ask me to make a playoff rotation, next week um he is one of the guys i feel pretty comfortable saying is out of the rotation just based on how they performed uh i do i i i am optimistic that he'll find his way back into the rotation it's not looking promising right now the other guy i'd say confident or the other two guys i will say confidently aren't in my rotation playoff start next week uh, are Rajon Rondo and DeAndre Jordan. And the latter is interesting to me because Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan are healthy, healthy right now. DeAndre Jordan hasn't played in the last two games. Either 
Frank is a man of his word and is playing 80 at the five based on matchups or DeAndre Jordan's just out of the rotation, which I, again, the latter I would prefer. <laughs> it's, it's that one. I'm pretty sure. Um, the Lakers are eight point, almost a full eight points better. We'll round it up uh, better offensively with DeAndre off the floor than on it. Um, they're basically the same defensively uh, regardless. And if he's not able to help the defense and he's holding you back that much offensively, like it's pretty cut and dry. We talked last week and I wrote about it, that it was just a numbers game that I thought DeAndre had to stay on the floor. And basically he was, (laughs) it feels harsh to say this, but he was so bad that the Lakers just, risked it and tried the number game with him just sitting on the bench. It's really interesting. Again, I didn't watch it. You, you talked about how small the lineups were. Dwight only played 10 minutes on Sunday. AD played. Yeah. yeah, AD played 40. Um, They're going super small. I I will be interested when they come back. uh, If they're going this small, if Frank, just tries out LeBron at the five. He did it a bit. He did it the one game or the final game of the postseason. And that was just throw everything against the wall and hope something sticks. Um, It just seems like if there was a guy I would say would be cut to sign someone midseason right now, it would be DeAndre because this just has not worked. Probably not shocking. There was a whole mountain of evidence in Brooklyn that that he was not the guy that he was when he used to play in L.A. Um, But I just didn't think, well, one, I didn't think he was this bad. I thought he could just be a good enough kind of replication of JaVale for 15 minutes a night. He can't at all. Um. And two, I just didn't think that they would fully commit to 80 at center, even though I thought they needed to. And to Frank's credit, he's done it when he could. When he's had guys available, or if the lineup, if the opposing lineup has called for it, he's done it. I know the Lakers fans want him to do it more. The numbers game still hasn't changed, and the Lakers still don't have enough forwards, but they're just kind of saying, screw it, we're going to try it anyway. They did it against Minnesota. They did it against the Spurs. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do against the Bulls tonight because I know Vucevic is out. Um, I just think at this point DeAndre is out of the rotation. It's hard for me to see him getting back into it. Frank claims that there'll be certain matchups that will require them to go big. If LeBron's healthy, I don't know what those are. Like Steven Adams in Memphis, but they already played him. Uh, there, there are very, very few matchups where I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to go big here. And even fewer, if any, it, that DeAndre is the one you're going big for. At this point, if you need to go big, just start Dwight and then stagger Dwight and AD because – I just don't think you can play DeAndre. You know what's interesting is I 
I kind of feel for DeAndre because I do think if you had a point guard that wasn't Russell Westbrook, like a, a point guard that played more on the perimeter, DeAndre Jordan would probably be fine. It, he really is just a victim of this roster construction. That's not, it, it, he's not great by any means, but I think on say like the Warriors, if the Warriors needed a veterans minimum center to soak up those minutes, I think he is a guy that would be much better for them than he is for the Lakers right now. Uh, but generally speaking, I agree. I don't think there will be many games where, you know, people are banging on the table or tweeting me saying, Hey, you need to tell Frank in your next media availability in which reporters <laughs> just express yeah. their grievances uh, to Frank Vogel, which is what we all do um, to, to play DeAndre Jordan. I don't think I'm going to get any of those questions all season. So Rondo DJ, and let's just say Kent Bazemore right now are the guards or are the players you have out of the rotation. Even with those guys, Rondo and Bazemore specifically, you have to find minutes at the guard positions for Russell Westbrook, who's starting. That, that's He's a lock in the rotation. The other guys I would say are locks in the rotation right now as far as guards are Kalen Horton-Tucker, Malik Monk, and Austin Reeves. I think... If somebody much smarter than me came on the podcast, that's not saying you're not much smarter than me. I just don't feel like arguing I was gonna with say, you. What the hell? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to argue with you. I'm assuming you're on my side here. Um, there, there are probably cases to be made against Austin Reeves being one of the guys that are locked into the rotation. Maybe, but as somebody who has watched the Lakers every game this season, um, I just don't get how you can keep him out of the rotation. Honestly, uh, his shots haven't fallen as of late, but at the start of the season, he was pretty reliable from three point range. So I just think he belongs in the rotation. And if you are of the same mindset, that is four guards already, not including Wayne, Wayne Ellington, and Avery Bradley that you have in the rotation. Now, Taylor Horton Tucker's a three that opens up a guard spot. Who's that going to? Avery Bradley, Wayne Ellington, and I'll throw Kent, Kent Baseball in there. I'm not as – I think it'll be Baseball. I'm not as low overall on him right now. He's looked like a guy that's just needed a game or two off. I didn't think the Lakers could afford to do that. THT's return, I guess, made it so. Um, but I, there's still value there, especially defensively. I would say, like, right now, your main guards, when healthy, are Russ, Malik, Reeves, Bazemore, and then THT, half, whatever position he's considered. Um, Ellington will be able to provide some spot minutes. The very few times the Lakers had enough healthy bodies, Rondo didn't play. And especially when LeBron's there, I, I, with LeBron and THT um, going to be back, I think Rondo's minutes are quickly going to go back down to zero. Um, so 
we'll see. I'd like to see LeBron with Wayne Ellington to see if he's able to kind of create some of those open looks. Wayne Ellington spoke in the offseason about kind of being excited to – he referenced he always watched Kyle Korver play with LeBron in Cleveland um, and just kind of being envious of the open looks that he got. So as kind of uncertain as I am about Wayne Ellington, I'd like to see him next to LeBron, see what he's able to do there. But, I mean, as you mentioned, it's a numbers game kind of in the opposite direction as the – the centers and forwards right now, and that there's too many guards. Um, it, it creates kind of a good problem where ideal. I mean, we haven't mentioned Kendrick Nunn, who's going to be in that rotation. And that's, uh, we t- that's the crazy thing is like, like I said, you could, you could make a case for like a six, seven guard rotation right now. And with the personnel the Lakers have, you might have to, it's just a matter of how do you make it work? I think Talon plays a really big part in that. I think Kent Bazemore is probably more suited to guard threes than he is twos at this stage of his career. I'm so fascinated by this. Like, It'll be interesting to see if THT's return helps Bazemore on the defensive end because maybe THT's able to take some of those guards and those quicker players uh, that Bazemore really struggled with. We saw it with John Morant and things like that maybe Bazemore is able to take the wing option and THT is able to take the uh, guard and maybe that helps him out. Um, But yeah, the point I was going to make before I realized we hadn't mentioned Kendrick Nunn, it does create a good problem in that if there's a situation where there is now with Kent Bazemore, where he needs time off, you're able to just kind of give it to him. If there's a situation where somebody's struggling you don't have to just write it out with them. You can yeah. go to someone else because there's guys available and it creates competition, which once a knock on wood, if everybody gets healthy, there's going to be an insane amount of competition in that backcourt, which should only improve things. Um, right now it helps in that we've been able to keep enough guards, even with seemingly all of them injured early in the year, we've been able to keep enough guards on the floor to have a perfectly fine rotation of them, but it's going to be really interesting because yeah, uh, THT is back. Reeves, I think will probably be next week before he's back. Um, Kendrick Nunn is this week or next week, I'd imagine, but we're getting close to the point where there's about to be all that competition for guard spots and guard minutes and a lot of guys competing for it. So it's exciting. It's what we thought was going to happen a month ago when the regular season started. We're ultimately going to have to wait like a month and a half into the season, but it's going to be interesting to see how they balance it. Who's going to be the odd man out. Um, As you said earlier, guys like Malik guys like Austin Reeves have kind of established themselves in certain types of roles and they took advantage, especially Austin Reeves, took advantage of the opportunity. Um, I mean, in the in the opposite vein, I think Rondo's kind of proven he's he's old and washed. Um, Bazemore hasn't really taken advantage of the opportunity. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle all these guard minutes because, yeah, there's a lot of guys that you would think would require minutes, and somebody's going to have to be the odd man out. You know what I was thinking about 
while while you were saying that is if Russell Westbrook wasn't making nearly fifty million dollars a year, I wonder where he would be in this conversation. <laughs> if he was just making an average like yeah. five ten million, like if he, if like um, he was in the Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn salary figure, I I don't know. That'd be interesting. Um, they still just wouldn't have a pure ball handler. Like he's still their best ball handler. Yeah. As, as much as he throws the ball away with turnovers, and I think he leads the league in turnovers. He had seven Man. more on Sunday. There was uh, a there was a play today. I don't know if he thought Mello was gonna like grab the ball from the baseline and then like three sixty it in, <laughs> but it was so funny just to think about how much has been made about Westbrook's turnovers and rightfully so, but for him to just have a play where it genuinely looked like knowing that Carmelo Anthony cannot jump. It looked like he just threw the ball into the crowd. Like he passed it to a fan is what it looked like. I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) He, I don't know how much more leeway he's going to get because he keeps saying like, Oh, it's about kind of establishing chemistry and learning new teammates. Like, bud, we're, a month into the season and you're making the same turnovers that, that you were making in game one, you're throwing apparently lob passes to Carmelo Anthony yeah. in 2021. When's that... the last time you watched Melo play? That's not even a chemistry <laughs> yeah. thing. That's do you watch basketball? <laughs> When's the last, I, I, there may be a way to look this up that I'm not going to. When's the last time you think Melo caught an alley-oop? Oh God. It had to have been an all-star game. Cause I can't imagine him doing it in like the regular season. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, and that would make it much harder to <laughs> to look up. But, yeah, that, like, he just makes these – I've said it before. He's a remarkably smart player who makes just some of the wildest, most insane, like, what are you doing plays um, this – or, like – on a semi-regular basis. Apparently, Melo has an alley-oop this season. There's no way it could have been for a dunk. I'm trying to pull it up. It was against the... uh, Well, it doesn't say, but apparently he has one this season. Um, But, yeah, just things like, don't throw Melo lobs. Like, I don't know why you're doing that. Stuff like that. And if you do, have him be close to the rim. I hope you get an opportunity to look at the one I'm talking about. I it was one so far away from the basket that I think only like Zach Levine would have caught it, I think. But beyond <laughs> that, there there are very few players that would have. Um we got a a fun little one tonight. Uh by the time you're listening to this, it's the Chicago Bulls, the return of the Caruso, Cruz Alex Caruso who started at power forward for the Chicago Bulls on, on Sunday night. Uh, I think last time I checked, he led the team in plus minus, which is hilarious. I also saw that uh, Luke Kennard led the Clippers uh, in plus minus on Sunday night. So, uh, you know, great night for white guys in the NBA. Uh, Crusoe, 2 of 11 from the field, but a game high plus 16 in the box score in the Bulls uh, 190 win 
over the Clippers. I miss him so much. And I, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to watch him play tomorrow. Part of me hopes that he just has the game of his life. Mm. Uh, and I was going to say another part of me, but there is no other part of me. Uh, I, I want him to succeed in ways that very few former Lakers I want to succeed that much. Like, I really enjoyed his time with the Lakers. Him and uh, him and Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma's run that he's on with the Wizards right now just feels so damn vindicated. Mm-hmm. Anthony Irwin, come, come on the podcast and face me, you <laughs> coward. <laughs> uh, so first, I found the alley-oop. Uh, for Melo, he actually had an alley-oop dunk from a Russell Westbrook pass this season against the Thunder. That's why I didn't remember it because wow. I blacked out or I blanked out, blacked out both those games. <laughs> I was in Boston. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to whoever was probably yelling at us for being idiots about that. <laughs> I and I I do not remember anything about those two games. I refuse to uh, keep that information. Um, I was joking with Sabrina uh, Merchant. I love basketball host um, about maybe two weeks ago that it was still hard for me to watch the bulls because I miss Caruso so much. It was hard to see him in a bulls Jersey. Uh, Then I got mad at the bulls because they don't sell a bulls Jersey. Like if I have to watch him in it, at least (laughs) let me, let me buy a Caruso bulls Jersey. Um, What's also infuriating God, I'm getting mad just thinking. Lonzo and Caruso are exactly what I thought they'd be together. Yeah. They're so much fun to watch. Incredible. Absolutely a nightmare defensively. And it's like, we could have had that. Obviously, we had Anthony Davis. But still, like, uh, it's so much fun to watch them. But also just annoying as hell to, to watch Caruso and know that the Lakers should have had that. Like, I'm sure somebody last week talked about the story with, him saying the Lakers basically offered him less than two years, 15 million to come back. Uh, he got over $9 million over four, three or four years. With still the Bulls. really good. Like- yeah, cr- crazy undervalued. Um, but still like a huge payday for him. And just, I don't know who to be mad at. The, clearly the front office didn't value him that much. And also, there was a desire not to pay the luxury tax. So I'm mad at a lot of people and I too hope Caruso drops 40 and starts shushing Rob Palenka and Jeannie bus about midway through the fourth quarter. Knowing what you know about the Glazers, the famed sports owners, if it meant keeping Caruso on the Lakers, would you accept a Glazer ownership of the Lakers? Uh, um, I love Caruso that much. Yes, I he <laughs> I have a I bought two shirts uh, like commemorating the Lakers title. One of them was just kind of the generic like, oh, Lakers are twenty nine or twenty twenty NBA champions. And the other one is Alex Caruso soaring through the air, dunking the ball, seeing 2020 NBA champion. Like I, I love him so much. I was, I thought it was an absolute slam dunk. He was coming back. It broke my heart 
as more and more kind of reports came out that he probably wasn't going to return. In some ways, I'm glad that it was like slowly leaking out because like if it would have just hit that he was going or he was going to the Bulls and not coming to the Lakers, I would have been inconsolable. So I whatever I, there are very few things I wouldn't have done to have Alex Cruz on the Lakers. He's so much fun. I I don't know that he's going to start at power forward, if especially if LeBron is back. But uh, we'll see if LeBron uh, instinctively throws him the ball in the offensive end as he cuts across the lane or something on on Monday. You know, what you know what I'm hoping happens is it, while while we're on the topic of the Glazers, if the Lakers just brought Alex Crusoe back midseason in an unexpected move. And I, for soccer fans, I am comparing Alex Crusoe to Cristiano Ronaldo, which is an insult to Alex Crusoe. Um, Whoa. <laughs> Stop the comparison. <laughs> but that's why I said it's, it's an insult to Alex Crusoe. But, you know, like the, I guess a more apt comparison would be D Wade leaving Miami and then coming back midseason. It's a far fetch, but I would do it. I I miss him, and I I hope it's a fun game. I hope the Lakers win because I think they need it. I hope LeBron plays because that would be awesome. Um, and after that, good lord, yeah, hell of a road trip coming up. <laughs> Bulls at home, Bucks on the road, Celtics on the road. Not too worried about that. Uh, <laughs> and then Pistons on Sunday. So I just saw Bucks Bulls. I'm less worried about this road trip, but. On the opposite side, if the Lakers lose to the Celtics and Pistons, specifically the Pistons on Sunday, I pray for our mentions on Sunday um, when we have to podcast again. I This is going to be an interesting test of the Lakers because it's their first real road trip. It's going to have a couple big games on it. It's going to last all the way to Thanksgiving. We're going to find out a lot about this team and kind of where they're at early in the season in the next week and a half, two weeks. We will talk to you about those games uh, next week, but also the, the corresponding weeks. Uh, but until then, hope you enjoy uh, your holidays. Thanksgiving is on Thursday. If you're going to do holiday shopping, make sure to stay safe. Get those, get those Black Friday deals. Uh, and while you were actually talking about Alex Cruz, I went on NBAStore.com. You can get an unsigned, that's uh, that's the catch, an unsigned picture of Alex Cruz for $10 on the NBA store. It's a steal. <laughs> I'm going right now. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>